The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Alt Playground. APG is more than just a place to find couples to swap with. Alt Playground is a lifestyle community for all non-monogamous and sexually adventurous people to connect and share. And you know I started a profile. Join me over at altplayground.net. That's A-L-T playground.net. There's no shame in wanting to last a little longer. And Promescence Delay Spray gives you confidence to enjoy the experience without worrying about blowing your load. Get 15% off at promescent.com with code MW15. That's MW15 at P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T dot com. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Or Podcast. Shout out to all the sexy sages and monogamous mages and hoes of all legal ages. This is Billy Presida and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. You know, when I was in college, I, I frequently wanted to be older or I wanted to seem older, not necessarily to, to drink legally. Uh, I wanted to be able to answer Craigslist ads and be taken semi-seriously. <laughs> That's... That was that was my original reason for wanting to to be older. I've said this many times. You know, I've you know I went to college here in New York City. I went to NYU, and Craigslist, RIP, the Casual Encounter section, incredibly active out here. There were so many people trying to hook up in so many different ways. I got exposed to a bunch of uh, fetishes and kinks, not through experience, but just by reading these posts and seeing that these things are real. These are real things that real people were doing on the DL and being 19, 20, 21, 22, being in my early twenties, pretty much in general was a difficult part of answering those ads because very frequently you would see people wanting someone with more experience, someone who they perceived to be competent. So they would, you know, pick an arbitrary age and go like, that's the age, whether it was 25 or 30 or whatever it was. People were just picking a number and saying, yeah, that's probably when when a guy's figured out where the clitoris is. Oh, yeah, that's probably about the age where a guy starts acting right. Sure, like we all gain like experience with age and as time goes on, but there's no guarantee that uh, one has ever gotten that experience or has ever gained that wisdom or gained a skill set by a certain age. And I know from time to time, I will condescend on this podcast to the to a Gen Z aged human being. But, you know, I promise it is all in good fun. <laughs> we're, we're just having a good time here because, uh, you know, I understand the frustration of like perceiving oneself to be, you know, more mature than your age would suggest or to be sexually competent where someone would think a college guy is not, etc. And then having people dismiss you right off the gate just because of that number. And I was very grateful for the, uh, you know, the older women who did, uh, you know, take me around when I was, uh, when I was in college and in my, my early twenties, uh, still grateful to them one, I'm, you know, I'm 31 I slept with this beautiful 51 year old woman, uh, last week. I thought, I thought she's a total babe, beautiful silver hair. I loved her body and her body looked like a 51 year old body and it's a hot body. There's no buts. There's no disclaimers attached to it. The age really doesn't have much to do with it other than like it's a reality. 
It's just like a reality of biology is the age. I've never thought that those things were negative. You know, I, you know, when I would date, I would be dating older women when I'm in my early twenties. And so I'm dating women who are in their late twenties or in their thirties, or if I was super lucky in their forties. And at some point they kind of want to go the, how old do you think I look? And I never liked that because I always felt like they wanted me to say a younger number in lieu of complimenting how pretty they were. But it's like, I think they're pretty and I can see how old they are. I see X, Y, and Z little micro things. I know how old you are. I can look at you and I got a good idea. And I think you're a babe. Like there shouldn't be anything wrong with accidentally guessing older than a woman is. Cause that's not the, that's not a metric for beauty. We all know incredibly ugly 20 year olds and we all know incredibly slamming hot 60 year olds. Not for nothing. Jill Biden can kind of get it in my opinion. So this episode uh, deals with a lot of age talk and it has a, there's a lot of age talk. There's a lot of uh, body talk with the age talk. Jeff Abraham, my guest this week, uh, he's 63 years old and swinging hard. It seems uh, Jeff Abraham, he's the CEO of Promescent. Very unusual. It's not my typical type of a guest, but this guy's a goddamn character. So if he was not the CEO of one of my sponsors, I would still want to have this guy on and you'll hear soon because he's, he's wild. Um, but, but the topic did come up often. Uh, so get ready to hear all about that mature swinging lifestyle on this episode. But before I get to my conversation with Jeff, you know, I want to tell you, man, Horcon, ah, we've got dates August 12th through August 15th, 2021. We've got a location, Hunter Mountain, a big ass Airbnb, and we've already got fan whores reserving rooms. I am hyped. Uh, I'm so excited to just hang out, one, just with people, and then I love hanging out with the fan whores because y'all are a great time. And I'm just excited to have like a relaxed, low key, Super fun weekend with some uh, like-minded, sex-positive, sometimes slutty people. Uh, I have a link in the show notes to it, but I, I, did, I put together a little presentation about Manhorcon, uh, the prices of the rooms, what we're going to get up to. I address the orgy question people seem to have every year, all of that. Um, check out the presentation. Link in the show notes. Uh, it's available on my Patreon for free to view. And hey, when you're ready to reserve... Shoot me an email at manwhorepod at gmail.com. I, oh, we're, mm, we're going to have so much fun. I'm going to hug everybody unless they don't want hugs because we ask first. But um, but yeah, Manwhorecon this year, August 12th to August 15th. Get ready for it. And in the meantime, you can still connect with your fellow fan whores for free in the champagne room. You know about the champagne room? It's our super open, sex positive, supportive Discord server. And I know Discord. It's I promise it's not that intimidating. Uh, I am I am also new to Discord and I'm loving it. I'm like kind of hooked. I've actually started like joining other Discord servers. I'm in a New York Jets Discord server. I'm in a server for another podcast that I listen to. I've got to be careful because like I could just live on discord. I, who needs Facebook at that point? If it's a cool, it's a cool app. It's a cool place. And I'm loving the conversations we're having in the champagne room uh, today. Today's debate of the day was, you know, tell us why your kink or your fetish is the best kink or fetish. 
And other days we're saying, hey, if you were ever going to star in a porno, what kind of porno would it be? We're having some fun chats, people. Uh, one of the most popular channels in the champagne room is Pets, 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 where people are just sharing pictures of their pets all day. And you should join us. Visit manwhorepod.com slash discord or click the link in the show notes and come say hi. Oh, by the way, if you get confused, you're like, I don't see the channels. Look, that's on purpose. There is a channel that says must read this. You should read that. And then you'll find out how to see all the other channels. But for now, manwhorepod.com slash discord. And, you know, I'm not even sure if this person is in it or not, but I'm just going to real quick do a fan whore appreciation moment. Uh-uh. Uh, this is the part of the podcast where I give a little shout out to a member of the fan whore community on Patreon. Uh, Patreon is the best way you can support me and the man whore podcast in all the things that we're doing. And right now I want to give a shout out to someone who calls themselves Troxler. Yeah, from the Czech Republic. Oh, that's my people, my Slavic people. Yes, I am one-eighth Czech and one-eighth Yugoslavian. Did you know that about me? Yeah, it's not all just Italian beefcake over here. Uh, We got some other Europe in there. Uh, But hey, Troxler, thanks for being a member. Thanks for supporting the show. And you too can become a member and support the podcast and gain access to behind-the-scenes bonus content at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash podcast. And hey, if you're not a Patreon person, you're one of those folks who's like, here, just take my money. I don't need anything. Uh, I've got all, you know, all my handles, my Venmo, the Cash App, the PayPal. That's all in the show notes. It's in the show notes every week if you ever need it. And now for this week's guest, Jeff Abraham. You know, wow, this dude's got energy. This is... I I had to work hard just to keep up. Jeff is a uh, 63-year-old fella who is uh, still incredibly active in his sex and dating life. And yes, he is also the CEO of one of my sponsors this week, Promescent. If he wasn't the CEO of them, I would still want to have a conversation with this guy because he was pretty fascinating. I Off off of the recommendation of uh, my dear friend Brenna over at Front Porch Swingers because he did their show. And she was like, yeah, no, no, he's a great guest. You should, he's going to be fun. He's got stories. That's what she says. She's like, he's got stories and boy, does he, uh, also like he, he has some pretty surprising opinions for when you look at his face. Cause I think you look at, you know, a fellow like Jeff Abraham and you think he's got certain points of views. You might make some assumptions about his politics, you might think that he, you know, he has beef with the they them pronouns, but honestly, the one thing Jeff Abraham is having a hard time adjusting to in the modern era is that like women shave their pussies sometimes. Everything else, he's like, yeah, whatever, sure, do you, boo boo? And he's just like, can you, can we keep some bush? That was it. That's incredible for a sixty-three-year-old white guy. That's amazing. So, you know, he's certainly not um, the most politically correct, or uses all the language, or omits all the language you wish he would but at the heart of anything that he says is uh surprisingly progressive when held to the standard of a 63 year old white guy i was fascinated by this individual i hope you are too this week's episode of the man whore podcast is sponsored by promescent yes yes my guest today jeff abraham is the ceo of promescent and he's a fucking character. But I started working with this brand last year because their delay spray is a clinically proven product that really does help a guy last longer. Of course, lasting longer is not the most important part of sex. And 
sure there are plenty of people listening who would uh, who who shudder at the thought of uh, bad sexual partners having the ability to last longer. <laughs> you still want to have a good skill set. But permescent spray gives me a boost of confidence in knowing I can get to enjoy this experience without worrying about deep breathing and blowing my load. I like the confidence that the delay spray gives me, you know, even if I'm not using it. I just like knowing it's there in the drawer or it's in my bag. I like knowing it's there for nights when I might be a little nervous. And for threesome night. Definitely helps with threesome night. Uh, <laughs> and hey, if it doesn't work for you, Permescent offers a 60-day, no-hassle, money-back guarantee. So th- there's really no reason to not give this a try. Plus, you get 15% off and free shipping with code MW15 at Permescent.com. That's code MW15 at P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T dot com. It's really happening, people. The play parties. The munches, the swinger parties, the lifestyle meet and greets, they are happening and they're getting put on the calendars and uh, many are requiring you get vaccinated because don't be selfish. (laughs) And over at altplayground.net, I'm seeing a list of shindigs you won't want to miss. Yes, it's our sponsor, APG, the lifestyle site for your next non-monogamous adventure. Ooh. One of the many features on APG is their section for play parties and shindigs and local swinger clubs. Right now, I'm looking on their site, I'm scrolling through, and like I'm seeing events coming up next month in Virginia and Georgia and Oklahoma and Pennsylvania, even uh, even Washington, D.C. is on the list. God, wouldn't it be really hot if Joe Biden was like secretly a dom on APG? She's such a babe. Become a member today for access to tons of singles and couples who want to meet. Visit altplayground.net, that's A-L-T, playground.net. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com, the paper minute adult entertainment depot. For years, I've been telling you that HotMovies.com is the ethical and affordable way to hashtag pay for some of your porn, because they've got all the porn. They've got different porn, even with similar names, right? Like, hey, straight porn, they got mommy's boy. Gay porn, they got daddy's boy. Kinky porn, they got daddy's daddy. They have it all. And now, Hot Movies is rolling out a monthly subscription service for the, what I like to call the high-volume porn consumer. Hot Movies Select Unlimited gives you access to unlimited replays on hundreds of thousands of titles on their website for just $24.95 a month. Then you can pop around any porn category and any porn studio in one convenient location. Because when my left hand is covered in coconut oil, I'd like to do as little clicking around as possible. Visit hotmovies.com, select unlimited if you're a power porn user, and use promo code manwhore so they know who sent you. Hotmovies.com. Let's get to the show. Stiffen, stiffen your rod with a copper insert, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, taking sounding to a whole new level. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? oh, yeah. oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, man. I, I heard uh, things about you from my good friend Brenna at Front Porch Swingers. She oh, kinda, oh, okay. And she was like, uh, you know, he is of an age, obviously, but like for being his age, he is very progressive. So I was like, 
fantastic. And she's like, yeah. he's got stories. I was like, oh shit, he's got stories too. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's got any stories that got you close to a heart attack would be really fun. I feel like that'd be a good time. Uh, but I want to say I'm here right now with Jeff Abraham, uh, wh- who I'm told is a, a well-traveled individual as well as the CEO of Promescent. I hear you're a bit of a man whore yourself. I, uh, I'm 63. I've never been married. Uh, I gravitate right now more towards uh, relationships only because of my age, you know, and uh, at a certain point you have to grow up a certain degree, you know, Uh, (laughs) I still like women that are younger than me because I consider myself to be extremely active and very fit. And I like someone that has a lifestyle, you know, to me, uh, you know, I want someone I can go biking, hiking, you know, be active with and certainly at the end of the day, hopefully be intimate with as well. But at the same time, you know, I really like a fit, active body and I try to keep myself that way. So I feel it's the least I could do is get that in return. You know, it, it sounds like you're trying to do the uh, the fairness of like, hey, like I don't like to be with a woman with a hairier butthole than myself, but I also make sure to keep my butthole shaved. So it's like I feel like I'm also holding myself to a similar standard. <laughs> you hit it right on the head. Absolutely. I don't <laughs> expect anything. I don't deliver. You know what I mean? And you know, I'm 63 years old. I still work out literally every day. Sometimes it's biking, sometimes my Peloton. Like today, it's going to be yoga and some stretching and some lifting, you know. So at least an hour a day, I like to be very active. You know, I think I keep my body fat at about a 14% level, which for 63 years old is really fit. And, you know, I feel like I want someone who has a commitment because to me, intimacy has always been about don't turn the lights out. You know what I mean? And just hop on someone and, you know, pretend you're somewhere else. I'm a voyeur without question. I love, you know, the shape, the feel of a woman's body. And I want to see it, you know, not just turn the lights out and, you know, hammer away kind of a thing, you know, the, the turning the lights off thing is something, you know, like I heard about both like in, um, like in TV media, but like you would hear about it. I've never experienced this thing where it's like, can we please turn the lights off? Like, I don't know. That might be a generational thing. I don't think my people or below or like need to turn the lights off. Your age. Yeah. It's probably women are more free and I think more proud of their bodies. I've been with women that have exceptional bodies and they're like, can we turn the lights out? I'm like, no. As a matter of fact, I'm about to hit the spotlight. You know what I mean? I have a reading light right above the bed. I'm turning that thing on. You're looking good. You know what I mean? I, I need to see what I'm working with here, you know? And But I've always been, and I've discussed this with other men and some women too, I've been in situations where you're with a woman and you're done and literally you've just made love for, you know, over an hour, you've had 69, you've had oral sex, you've had, you know, uh, you know, intercourse, the whole thing. They get up and they like grab a sheet or a towel and they like cover themselves when they go to the restroom. I'm like, excuse me, uh, pardon me. Uh, what was that all about? Okay. Like my cum is dripping out of you right now. Like, I think it's okay. Like I've seen 30 seconds ago and now you're covering up on your walk. Mm -hmm. I mean, relax with that. Okay. I think I've seen enough that I'm not going to be turned off by you walking to the restroom. I'm, I won't be traumatized by the sight of your naked body. I mean, it is, it is wild to me. Cause again, it's like, I've never, I've heard about this. I've seen it in like movies, but I have never 
experienced anything like that. No, I always ask them, like, well, I just feel uncomfortable. It's like, you know, I gained a couple extra pounds. I'm like, where? In your fingernails? I don't see it. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with you. And I think that women don't get a fair shake, to be quite honest with you, because you look on Shape Magazine and every woman's magazine has a 20-inch waist, a 36C, you know, breast and fur. You know, as a guy, you have an inherent advantage. If you have a good personality, you're successful, you can always get good-looking women. It's a But joke. that's not enough for me, Jeff. Like, I want – here's the thing. It's like I, I want – women I sleep with to want to fuck me without no, I, I don't know. Like I want to, I just want to lose enough weight where like, I don't need to have a good personality. Like yes. I still want to be a good guy. I just want women to be shocked when I am. That's yes. like the type of shape I would like to be in. <laughs> that personally. is hilarious. That no, that, you know, I've had a reasonable amount of success and I come from a very modest background. And so sometimes if I'm with a woman that's, and this is pretty standard, like 15, 20 years younger than me and, you know, reasonably attractive, like people pull me aside. They're like, how much you paying her? Like monthly allowance? I'm like, what? They're like, <laughs> I go, are you out of your mind? I've never done that ever in my entire life. They're like, what? I want to know someone's with me because they enjoy being with me. I would never do that. I've never been involved in any kind of pay for play. That never. Not that there's anything wrong with that on this show. We're very pro whore. Just that's your experience, and that's cool. No, that's my experience, and yeah, I have yeah. no. I have friends, to be quite honest with you, who will remain unnamed, who are on sugar babies or you know seeking arrangements and. I swear to you, I have friends that have been married for 30 years that supposedly have these great marriages that have these women that they pay four grand a month to for, you know, twice a month access. You know what I mean? And some of my really- Is that what they call it? Access? Jesus. I thought like part of the point of sugaring was like, <laughs> we're going to pretend that this is a real relationship and then like we're going to call them dates or get, oh gosh, access feels like I have access to a fleshlight, you know? Yeah, no, that's exactly. It's access, trust me. And it's it's transactional no matter how they try to portray it. It's cuz I've met a couple of the women like, you know, like we'll be at, at you know, some place having lunch and they'll bring, you know, the woman and I'm never ever ever not shocked at some of these women are like 23-year-old soccer players from a university and they've come to the point now where they're like you know, that's why we need to pay college athletes. Uh, that's I think, exactly. I think. <laughs> so the volleyball and soccer players don't have to be sugaring on the side. But I've actually asked him because I'm very open, said, listen, you know, my buddy's a cool dude, but he's like 54, not exactly happening. You like they go, listen, you know, I could get a job at Chili's. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. waiting on tables or whatever, you know, and make two hundred dollars a week. I literally, you know, meet up with this guy. Two, three times a month, he pays me three grand, four grand a month under the table in cash. I'm like, it's a good thing I wasn't a female when I was in college. I would have had like four of those. You know what I mean? I yeah. might have never, ever got a real job. You know, I mean, just you could have done that and made 12, 14 grand a month under the table for 20 years and banked enough of it. You could have lived the rest of your life. I mean, is that a thing that like, uh, you know, a successful rich guys like you do where you like you compare like sec like, oh, how much you pay a month for that? Is that like a thing? I mean, I <laughs> like, I've been in a situation where guys discuss it. And that's why so many times if I'm with somebody, someone will say, you know, like, how much, you know, are you paying? And I'm like, nothing. It's I'm we're dating. We're never going. What? And they're like, where did you what find What kind her? of handbag did you have to get her? I'm, I'm confused at the currency exchange. Yeah, no, <laughs> they don't understand it. I'm just like. 
I guess at some point, if it doesn't happen organically and naturally, I have to. Maybe I'll cross that bridge. You know what I mean? But I haven't mm-hmm. had to do it. So, you know, I'm very comfortable. And they'll go, where did you meet her? And I go, what do you mean? Like, they're amazed. I go, in yoga. You know, where? I, I, go, I was in a yoga class. I met her. She's, and they go, it's so weird because I think when guys have a certain amount of privilege, they stop trying and feel they just go buy whatever they want. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I yeah. live your life normally, you know, and it, uh, situations present themselves. And then you obviously, you know, go with the flow. But it's like to some very wealthy guys, it's like they can't comprehend having a relationship without there being a transaction with certain. T- I guess maybe it's a lack of self-esteem and they view themselves strictly as a source of revenue and don't mm-hmm. realize they have any other value other than that. Especially, uh, you know, men who are like around your age or my dad's age or older. Like, I think y'all were really raised with this idea of like man is provider and like that is your role. So it's like, yeah, well, like, I guess I provide money or resources. Yes. And then you have sex with me. And that's my purpose of being type of thing. Yes, exactly. And by the way, the part about like not trying when you have like a certain amount of like privilege or money, it's like same thing for abs. Think about all the dudes who just like naturally have a certain type of body or they like have this like nine inch dick and they think, well, now I don't got to try. And, and then that only gets you so far. That doesn't get absolutely. you date number five as often. That's exactly. No, absolutely. I've always I think growing up and as you can tell, because this is obviously a video, I was very practical at a young age. A lot of men. When they're young, they dream of being on People magazine, sexiest man alive. They dream of being on the cover of Sports Illustrated scoring a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Mm. From the time I was young, I was fairly athletic, but I go, I'm really not going into the NBA or the NFL. I looked in a mirror and go, I don't really think modeling is in my future or acting. I wanted to be a business owner from the time I was eight or nine years old. I started cutting grass and having a paper route. When I was 14, I got a work permit, worked 20, 30 hours a week in a farm mart farm market unlo- back, back when child labor laws were a whole lot looser they were <laughs> I remember my first job. so long I as think- the kid knows basic arithmetic you can put him in the field for as long as you want that's exactly but i remember my first job i made 80 cents an hour and two years later they raised minimum wage to a dollar an hour and i was like oh my god i get a dollar for every hour I work. And I was so poor that in the summer, I took every hour possible. I worked 80 hours a week in the summer, 80 Mm -hmm. hours in a single week, every hour that was available. Everybody took vacation. I'll get your shift. They knew if I'm late, just call Jeff. He'll go take my shift. And, you know, I, I just always had this desire to, it, it wasn't because I wanted a bunch of materialistic things. I just wanted not to have anxiety, you know, and not to feel like I can't do certain things because I don't have the resources. Mm -hmm. Did you grow up uh, a a lower socioeconomic level? Yeah, my parents were on the lower end of middle class, but uh, my mom was like a prolific spender without, you know, when they had that license plate frame that says, I can't be out of money, I still have checks. That was my mom. Okay. (laughs) I mean, my dad was very practical, but he couldn't control my mom. So they were always in debt. And they always, you know, spent money they didn't have. When I was 14 years old, I cut up my parents' credit cards. I said, why are you guys always fighting? You know what I mean? And, well, this. And my dad showed me a credit card. And they made a payment of like $200 and 140 of it was interest. I go, you're not getting anything for that. Well, I took and, – and even then, my parents said, I just always had this sixth sense about finances. And because I was just tired. I used to always think, 
if you were successful, you'd always have great relationships because the only reason my parents ever fought was about money. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, if you don't we have money, then that's you don't the fight. problem. Yeah, I just have to prevent this problem. one problem. What money, else could possibly go wrong? Then you fight about other shit. You know what I mean? So uh, <laughs> I learned real quickly that that wasn't the only issue. But with my parents, I remember every fight was always about money. So I thought, okay, I'll make money. Always have good relationships. And how were your earlier relationships? If you're working eighty hours, you know, eighty hour weeks, was was there time growing up to date or? you know, hang out with girls or whatever. I kind of had a very strange experience that kind of set me on a course that I never wanted to date women my own age. And I never really had a desire to like go to a homecoming or prom. When I was 15, I worked at a country club after my farm market days were done. My mom got me a job at this country club being a busboy and a waiter and some 21 year old waitress, you know, for some reason had the hots for me. And my first sexual encounter was I was 15 and I had this like six month relationship with a 21 year old woman. Look and at you hooking up with an older woman. Good for you. I think we're all happy about it. You're thinking about today where it's routine that teachers have sex with kids. I was walking through the hallway in high school. People come up to me and like, dude, tell me about it. I go, well, there's, you have to experience it. You know what I mean? I, I can't do it justice. You know what I mean? I was like the first kid in my entire high school to have sex. You know what I mean? Like at 15. And so when everyone else is going, Oh, are you going to go to the Sadie Hawkins dance? You know, maybe if you go out with, you know, Mary Jane, you can cop a feel. And I'm like, cop a feel. I go, I'm going over to bone my 21 year old tonight. So I had this retarded expectation from a young age I wasn't interested in, you know, like going, you know, to the traditional dating scene. I kind of skipped all that. And I was like, hey, you know, I really don't want to spend three or four months taking someone's virginity. I really Mm -hmm. don't. And to me, it would be awkward. And, you know, I want someone who has a little bit of knowledge, you know, Mm -hmm. and my whole life, I'm 63 now, I've never taken someone's virginity because I always tended to go more towards someone with experience, more towards somebody that, you know, wasn't holding their virginity like the Holy Grail that, you know, it was some sacrificial thing that I had to go through to reach the promised land after mm. climbing Mount Everest, you know? Yeah. And and what was, what was like the attitude about you know, sexuality, like how, like what were the, what was the attitude in the culture like back then? Like when they first invented the condom, what was it like back then? How'd y'all talk about it? Well, it was not talked about. It was like, Mm. you know, you don't even consider having sex until you're married. I remember I got busted the night watchman because when we first started doing this, of course, no one knew I was underage. She was 21. So would hop in her car and drive about three miles away, go down this, you know, isolated area in the woods and, get it on. And then since we worked at the same place, we started getting to the point where we'd go out in the parking lot during a break in the backseat of her car and get it on. And the night watchman caught us. And then my mom worked it. So she found out, oh my God, you have mental problems. Oh my God, we get it. I go, what? I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. This shit's great. You know what I mean? And it was like, why, why did she think you had, you had mental problems? Because why would a 15 year old boy want to have sex with a 21 year old woman? That was supposedly warped. That was supposedly to, you know, people of that generation, my parents' generation. But my father understood because I remember we came home that night after I first got busted. And she goes, I'm going to go talk to your dad. And I went in my room, turned off the lights. I'm laying in there with the, like, lights off going, oh, shit. 
And then I heard her. And so she goes in the room and he's like, what's wrong? Oh, it's your son. Whenever you do something bad, it's his son. Your right? son did something. Yeah. But when you did something great, my son made my the honor. Son is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So he goes, what's wrong? She goes, well, he got caught, you know, out in the parking lot having sex with some, you know, 21 year old waitress or whatever. And she goes, you better go in and talk to him, whatever. I go, oh, shit. So I'm thinking, oh, my dad's going to come in and beat the hell out of me or, you know, whatever. So I'm laying there. And I got my eyes closed, so I see the light come on in the room. My dad comes in. I go, any moment now, I'm going to be airborne, about to be tossed around the room. And then, like, 30 seconds later, nothing's happening. Kind of crack my eye open. And my dad's just standing there by the door, right? So this goes on for about three or four minutes. I'm like, what? So then he turns the light. I leave. She's, you talk to him? He goes, yeah, I got it all handled. He's fine. You know, whatever. I was like, yeah, dad. Okay, cool. You know the feeling. You know what I mean? And, uh, so I was like, okay. My dad's hip. He's cool. Did he ever, I mean, so did he ever give you anything like, hey, just make sure you use a condom or like, did, was, did he give you any of a tip? Never, ever, ever. Mm -hmm. So I went the opposite route. I started talking to my son when he was 14 mm -hmm. and uh, made sure that, you know, when the time came, he was smart about it, was going to, you know, be safe. And, you know, not only for venereal disease, but, you know, prevent pregnancy, you know, that type of stuff. So I went overboard making sure it was very, very common. To this day, I never saw any affection between my parents. Well, they're both dead now, so it couldn't have happened now. But I never saw the slightest bit of affection. I never heard my parents getting it on. There was never any innuendo. I think they might have had sex four times for the four kids we had in the family. You know what I mean? It was like, whatever, you know? I mean, I remember one time at Thanksgiving, I have a brother who's uh, 10 years younger than me. We always had the family over our house for Thanksgiving. Hmm. So I was in college, and so... There's a 99% chance I was high at the time. I was home, you know, I think I had smoked about freaking three joints to have one of these family dinners. So my little brother's 10 years younger. He was like 11. He comes in, he goes, hey, I was down at Vincent's house. And, you know, he said something, I don't understand what it means. And everyone's like, what? And I mean, there's like 20 people in the whole family. And he's like, he said, cocksucker, what does that mean? Everyone's like, oh my God, like, don't use that word, it's a bad word. And my mom sitting there very proud goes, well, at least no one can ever call me that. <laughs> so, I swear to God. So my whole family's there, uncles, aunts, cousins, right? I turn around and look at my dad. I go, how'd you be married to her for 30 years? Everyone's like, oh, my God, don't, don't do it. And everyone got, like, real embarrassed. I'm like, no, seriously, man. You know, like, really? <laughs> and this is back, what, like, 70s, maybe 80s? Is, uh, 78, 1978. Yeah. I don't think there's been a generation, um, especially a generation of men who have seen so many changes and um, so much progress in feminism, gender equality, sexual, like the uh, sexual attitudes of, yeah. a, of, a, of a society than your generation, my dad's generation, because y'all had a way to think about it then. I think the you know y'all had that sexual revolution go on. Then you had a tightening up. You all experienced the AIDS crisis as adults, and then you know starting kind of in the nineties, the two thousands until now. I mean, it's casual sex started to become something that was so more socially acceptable. And then kink starts coming out, and now we've got they them pronouns you're getting used to. And then there's this non monogamy thing happening, and you're like, I remember that from the sixties. We just called that free love. So I feel yeah. like y'all have seen so many shifts in the culture than either your parents or my generation. 180 degrees, absolutely. Well, I think from a man's standpoint, I've always been very comfortable with a woman having 
sexual desires and a woman being a sexual creature just like a man. But I know that a lot of guys, and even there's still some to this day, that feel like a woman should be more virtuous and a woman should be less overtly sexual, that the Mm -hmm. guy has to be the conqueror. You know what I mean? And the woman has to be much more. I've always been very comfortable and I've always encouraged partners that I have to express their sexuality. And it's a normal part of life. Mm -hmm. And this Madonna whore syndrome that existed, you know what I mean? That, you know, good girls saved it and only had sex with a few men, whereas men could literally have as much experience as they wanted. And it was almost something to brag about. But if a woman had, you know, too many sexual partners, then man, better be careful of her. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I've actually had a couple guys make comments like, you know, this girl I'm dating right now, I think she likes it too much. I'm like, excuse me? (laughs) Wait, wait, excuse me? Yeah, I'm like, well... If it was me, I would look at it as like a compliment. You know what I mean? Hey, you know, I'm like, what are you uptight for? You know, and, you know, I think guys to a large degree wanted women to be sexual, but not too sexual. Like, where'd you learn that? You know what I mean? Like, uh, relax. Aren't you happy I learned this technique and then brought it to you and your measly dick? Jeffrey, yeah. like, aren't you not you, Jeff? Uh, I don't know why, <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's like, wouldn't you want someone? Who, yeah, someone who's gone off and done things, so we're not fumbling around together. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I think that's why I was proud of never taking someone's virginity because I, I don't. I think, think you should give virgins in the today. I mean, like, it's also a little different when you're 63 and someone's like, you know, late teens, early 20s now. But I think yeah. you should give virgin. We we should all give virgins a little more credit in today's age. Because of of the internet, they've discovered the different ways to explore sex. So like you will meet, you can meet a 22 year old virgin that is super sexual, has done a ton, maybe super kinky, happens to have never been fucked in the pussy yet, but also like is way more experienced than, you know, any 40 year old you meet. I had met in my early thirties, a couple LDS women. Okay. And you know, like the Mormons, Mormons. Yeah. Yeah that they're supposed to be virgins until they're married. And so at first when we met, I was like, well, listen, you know, I know that your church, oh no, trust me, you know, I can satisfy you, you know what I mean, whatever. And then I was later, I was like, you know, I don't even really miss the intercourse part of it. You know what I mean? Because they had literally, just like you said, found a way to maintain that supposed, you know, chastity while at the same time being completely sexual, having orgasms, you know what I mean? And providing and receiving pleasure. And I'm like, well, I guess that's a new definition of <laughs> when I grew up of what a virgin is. You know what I mean? Like the there's yeah, I mean, there's the whole I mean, I actually just did a, an episode uh, with this sex therapist where we we're talking about like religion yeah. and sexuality and the idea of like the kink loophole where it's like, yeah. well, I'm still a virgin because we only did the BDSM stuff or like the eight, you know, how like Catholics would like they'll do anal because that's not yeah. Jesus's whole right. Yeah. That whole thing. Uh, it's it's wild. Like people will bend over backwards to fit through some sort of arbitrary guideline. Guidelines so they can maintain their purity. You know exactly. So religion doesn't belong in government. Doesn't belong in sexuality. Keep that shit separate. It fucks people up. Okay. Mm-hmm. It gives them these weird hangups. And like you say, you go through this gyration that technically I'm still a virgin, but by the same token, they get on their hands and knees and go poke me in the behind. You know what I mean? But I'm still a virgin. I'm like what? I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay. And so you said like, you know, you've had to deal with that, you know, you've 
had to deal with that Madonna horror complex. So would you in like, say the eighties, the nineties and such, would you have conversations with women who felt a little shameful to do stuff with you? Or did you find yourself grab, did you end up just happening to be with the more sexually liberated women like that waitress, you know, there when you were 15 times that, you know, cause I've always liked to get high. I'm not a big drinker, but I like to get high. So I'd get high with someone or do some, you know, grapeseed oil infused with some THC and somebody would wait, get, what? Oh, okay. yeah. somebody would like all of a sudden get a lot more sexual. And then I'd have the conversation say, listen, you don't have to get high or you don't have to get stoned. If you have those desires, let's explore them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, cause I didn't realize you were quite as adventuresome as you were until I got your stones. You know what I mean? Like, let's do that shit straight. Okay. We don't have to be, you don't have to feel like you need an excuse, like, oh, I lost control. You know what I mean? I've always believed you can be totally in control and do whatever you want to do. So back then, did you have, so back, who taught you that back then? I just, I just naturally like that. I, mm. all my friends laugh because I come from an area and I, I tell people to a certain degree, I didn't move, I escaped. You know, I got so tired of hearing faggot and and all these racial slurs and homophobic slurs. And I've just always been the type of person live and let live. You know, I don't ever put myself in a position where I judge anyone. I wear black lives matter t-shirts around and some of my neighbors freak out. You're not black. Why do you have that t-shirt on? I go, cause I'm a father. And I know that I have black friends that face the very reality. Their children are going to either be stopped, arrested, beaten, or even murdered because of the color of their skin. It's not, you don't have to be black to go Black Lives Matter, okay? I've always been the type that I'm totally open to gay rights, LGBTQ, whatever. You're like, whichever letters, you, you've given me the letters, I'll say yes, I'm yeah. in. <laughs> because to me, my sexuality wasn't a choice. It wasn't like I went, hmm, let me think about it. I remember, true story. So I'm four years old because my mom did this seamstress thing. Like my dad was at work all day. So my mom, people would come over and have shirts hemmed and, you know, like pants fitted and everything. So, you know, a guy would get a suit and come over and have the pants. So I remember one time and I was home with my younger sister who was two and my older sister was at school. I was four years old and we had a really small home. It was like 1,100 square feet. So my room was also the changing room. So this gal came over with this like waitress's outfit, very attractive, mid 20 something woman. So she went in and stood on this little block that my mom had. My mom was pinning or pinning the dress where she was going to hem it. And I remember this thought like it was yesterday. I want to go hide in my room because I want to watch her undress. So it couldn't have been a sexual thought. I was nine years from puberty. I already knew that I love seeing hot women naked at four years old. Okay. Now I'm 63. That thought's never changed. 59 years, every time I see a good looking woman, the first thing I think of, I wonder if she looks like naked, right? I'm like a voyeur, right? It's never changed, okay? I've never looked at a dude and went, I want to see that guy naked. As a matter of fact, I'm like in the locker room, like, hey, dude, put your pants on, okay? But to me, sexuality was never a choice. I knew that I was attracted to females from the time I was young. And that's been, you know, fairly consistent. So I'm going to assume if you're gay, that it's the same way. You didn't have to sit there and go, guys, women, let me see. What do I like? You know, to me, it was programmed. I knew from my earliest time that I saw men and women, I'm attracted to that. So why would I look down or chastise someone 
or think that someone is less than for following their natural instinct. Because mm -hmm. it's harder to be gay than it is straight in our society because, you know, your family's upset, you don't get benefit. So to me, I want to give everyone the opportunity to live their life and find their own happiness. And I'm not judging. So that's why, to me, moving out west was better than being in a small little coal mining town in western Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, yeah. And so then, you know, you move out west. Did you just like kind of find your people? Is that kind of what happened? Because you're you're describing yourself as quite the uh, quite the hippie, you know, <laughs> from in back those times. Yeah, no, I. I was definitely a progressive thinker and I moved to California when I was 24 and living in growing up in, in Western Pennsylvania, the town I grew up in was 25% black. And then the rest was, you know, Western European, Polish people, Italian people, Syrian people. I'm half Syrian mm -hmm. Arabic. And that was it. I never saw a Hispanic person, never saw an Asian person. There was very few blonde haired people. It was like, you know, a lot of the women had thicker facial hair than me. You know what I mean? They were all that, you know, Middle Eastern thing. And I remember when I moved to California, I'm like, why would anyone live back there? It's summer here, year round. I don't have to shovel snow. There's not sleet. You know, the cars aren't all rusted through because they put salt on the road. It was just, you know, there was different foods, different women. It was just like, I felt like I went to a smorgasbord you know, and, and, you know, a buffet after having to eat a ham sandwich every day for my first 24 years of my life. <laughs> and, and, and being so progressive minded for back then, you know, has there been any frustrations in the 90s, in the 2000s, in this past decade when new things are being brought to you, new concepts that are being claimed as like we're moving the bar, so to speak? Has there ever been frustrations like, oh, I got to learn this thing, or I don't really understand that. And maybe you're like, I'm down to figure it out, but uh, I don't get it. No, the when women started completely shaving their pubic hairs, it was kind of a shock to me because you have to get over that first feeling. Jeff, like, that Jeff, that's that's the thing you had trouble with. I even I had trouble with they them pronouns for a while. Uh, <laughs> like you're saying, no, it's whatever. I don't I'll, all the things are cool. But what's with this pussy shaving stuff? Well, really, gonna, that's where you're you're well, having you had an issue. Well, my early days of sexuality, women's had a bush. They didn't shave at all. Sure. It was a freaking afro, okay? And then all of a sudden it's shaved. The first thing you think Chris Hansen from The Catcher Predator is going to tap you on the shoulder and go, hey, you were the 15-year-old. You know what I mean? Like, it was like babies had, you know, vaginas with no hair. You know what right. I mean? So that was kind of shocking. The whole thing with the pronouns and everything, I don't understand it, but I, like I said, I give people their own space, whatever – what put any letter you want to on it. I'm cool with it. It doesn't affect me, you know, that kind of a thing. So I never really had an issue because I kind of look at my own backyard, you know what I mean? And I don't worry about my neighbors, my whatever, and that kind of thing. So things that, you know, like other people, like, well, I'm doing this and I need my truth to come out. Hey, more power to you. Do it. I'm more concerned with things that affect me. You know, the only things that I'm concerned about that don't affect me are climate change, you know, uh, a pro, you know, this proliferation of gun violence where, you know, a mass shooting happens every single day because I go eventually that starts touching everybody. You know, if it continues, those kind of things, you know, if we have a planet, it's no longer inhabitable. OK, then I'm concerned for my grandchildren, you know, my great grandchildren. 
But in terms of sexuality, in terms of, uh, you know, identifying with genders, that's not my thing. You know what I mean? I know who I am. I'm assuming everyone else needs to go do their thing. Okay. Okay. And in this, uh, so you're actually part of a, a group of people I don't think gets represented on this podcast very often. The the <laughs> older straight man. Uh, yeah. I think you might be the first who like we who didn't like write a book that we're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's very interesting um, to me hearing you share the opinions that you've had and the opinions that you've had for. The, the length of time that you've had, because yeah. I think a lot of us wish that our fathers or grandfathers were of a, a you know, similarly like minded. I think yeah. uh, that's sometimes difficult to find. So, you know, when you hear when you're with other men who are like you, do you hear them say some shit where you're like, like, do you kind of challenge and push back at your peers? Like when you're oh, at the locker room or oh, at the thing, you have no idea. I I've been in situations before where guys like freak out. I remember when I first moved here to Summerlin, Nevada, I had been here about three, four months and I was at this health club. And one of my friends who I'd been hanging out with for a little while comes up to me, goes, Hey, see that gal on the uh, stairmaster over there? I go, which one? The blonde hair girl. I go, yeah. He goes, remind me, I got to tell you something. I go, okay, great. So we go downstairs in the juice bar. We're getting something to eat. And he goes, check this out. He shows me a picture of her laying spread eagled on the bed. You know what I mean? whatever, n- naked. I'm like, dude, come on. He goes, what are you, some kind of a prude? I go, no. I go, if you're in a relationship with someone and you should, don't, you know what I mean? Like, I see her, I know her. You know what I mean? Like, that to me is a violation. That You know, I'm all about, you know, if someone says, hey, look at this picture, I'm proud of it. You know what I mean? And, you know, I mean, whatever. But I still- He didn't present it as a piece of art that he shot. I'd be like, hey, I shot a beautiful nude portrait of my girlfriend. He'd be like, hey, yo, check out these tits, Jeff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I think one of the reasons men or women don't trust men are reasons like that. Within your relationship, do whatever. You know, have phone sex, have whatever. But if you send someone a picture and it's like, this is for you, don't feel the need to broadcast it. You know what I mean? They have revenge porn, you know what I mean? And all that kind of stuff. I think intimacy would be better no matter who you're with, no matter how many partners you have. If you kind of keep your word, there's a little more trust involved. You know, mm-hmm. there are women that are exhibitions that would love it. Find one of those, but don't take someone that's in my sphere that I see every day and start showing pictures of her spread eagle on the bed without her freaking knowledge or more specifically that she's expecting you're not sharing with other people. You know, it was like, whoa. And, you know, I find this a lot that a lot of my friends that are married will say to me, dude, I wish I was you every single day. I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like, what? And they're like, I've been involved. Like I go to some charity events and they're all people my age. And so all the guys are like mid fifties. I'm a little bit older, 63 Mm -hmm. and their wives, they've been married for 30, 35 years. And their wives have hit, kind of middle-aged spread kind of a thing, you know, because they've had three, four kids. And I think a lot of people tend, when they're in a relationship, they feel like I got my partner. I don't have to try as hard anymore. You know, like we're in this 30-year partnership and they'll look at me and go, oh my God. And I remember one time in particular, we were at this charity event. One of my friends leans over to me. He's like, dude, where'd you meet her? I go, long story, but I met her at a health club, you know, whatever. And so she got up to, my date was 38 and I was 59. This is four years ago. Mm-hmm. She gets up and goes to the restroom. And one of my friend's wives is like, what would you possibly see in her? 
I go, well, besides the obvious, I go, she's intelligent, you know, intelligent. She's what? 38 years old. Yeah. What? Oh, this is ridiculous. What? Too. And she's like, what does she do for a living? And I go, she's an intellectual property attorney. And she's like, what? She goes, you sure she's not some hostess or stripper? I go, she has a degree in electronics and a law degree. She's an intellectual. She's like, what? And she goes, the, the lady looks at me and goes, what would she be doing with you? I go, I don't try to figure it out. I just <laughs> She was pissed off. And so she turns to her husband. <laughs> I'll use a fake name here because he'll probably listen to it. She turns to her husband. She's like, Robert, isn't that disgusting, that age range? And he has this frightened look. He looks at me and he's like, yeah, you should find someone closer to your own age. And he's like looking at me like, dude, please don't bust me. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. So later on, I get up, I go to the restroom. He comes in, he's like, dude, thanks. I go, dude. I'm not going to like, because this guy has told me so many times, I just wish I could be you for one day. You know what I mean? And I go, you know, each one has its advantages. I'm sure you have the, you know, the comfort and, you know, the whatever of a 30, 40 year marriage. Stability, security. And I go, listen, I go, there's times around holidays sometimes. Oh, I wish I had whatever. But I go, I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't trade my life for yours ever. I like being me. You know what I mean? And, but so many of my friends say to me, they'll like see me with someone, they'll go, I would do anything just to bone someone other than my wife. And I'm like, what? And it's and like, he couldn't get that if he would first talk yeah. to his fucking wife. Exactly. And then maybe that could occur. And I'll, you know, I, all my friends will tell you, I'll never change. I, I don't care. I don't give a shit. I'm living my life. You live yours, you know? Another example, one of my neighbors, who again shall remain unnamed, comes over to me one day and I live in a You probably room. only have, what, two or three neighbors, though? So I not feel like I can figure it out. Many. I live in a really exclusive neighborhood and it's okay. all custom. You buy a lot, you find a builder, you build your own home. So they're building this house across the street and they put some kind of this orange kind of like deco art piece in the front. So my neighbor comes over to me one day, she goes, Jeffrey, she calls me Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey, I go, what? She goes, what do you think of that? orange thing on that house they're building across the street. I go, I don't. She goes, you don't what? I go, I don't think about it. She's like, what? I go, it's his house, not mine. She goes, yeah, but your home office, which I'm sitting in right now, looks directly out there. You know, I go, listen, he might not like my house. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? She goes, yeah, but you think it belongs in a neighborhood? I go, he bought the lot. If he likes it, great. And I've never, look, this is not all sex and dating related, but like one of the biggest revelations and things that I don't understand of adult shit yeah, I'm, th I'm 31 years old. So yeah. like over the last like, I don't know, half decade, I learned about like property taxes, yeah. which like I believe in property taxes. But they when it was like, yeah, someone shows up, they look at your place, they decide what it's worth. I'm like, what? Or like how? Yeah, we can have a zoning ordinance and you can't have that in your front yard. What? It's my fucking yard. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry to turn anyone off who likes all this like fun sex and dating stuff he's talking about. But um, I the, the fact that some neighbor can tell me what to do with my fucking house that I will never own because I'm I do this for a living, so I'm never yeah. gonna own a house. But it's like, well, how do you get to tell me what to do with my yeah. property or with my life? But as if soon as you try it. to tell them like you shouldn't have as many guns, they go like, "Hey, stay out of my fucking business." Yeah, that's exactly. If I don't like it, I'll close my drapes, okay, or blinds. I don't, you know, it's like his house. I don't, I worry about big shit. I don't care about my neighbor. One of the things I love 
is if you go to Irvine, California, you pay $3 million for a house. If you want to paint your doorknob a different color, the association comes and knocks on your door, you know? <laughs> so I love the idea that I live in a very eclectic place where there's Mediterranean right. next to modern, next to traditional, you know what I mean? And sure. it's got a lot of character. So I, I love, do whatever you need to do with your house. Doesn't bother me. So, so, you know, dating as, as a man of an age of a, as a man in his sixties, like, what is that like for you? I know you said you, I, I think we right now dispelled the, the idea that maybe some people had in their minds where it's like, oh, he's with younger women. It's a 63 year old man, just like targeting 24 year olds. But like, you're like, you're just like, it's younger because a lot of most people are younger than you at this point. So to speak. So, so, so what, what's dating like for you? Tell us like how you meet people. What's that game? Like, how do you address the age difference if it comes up? Even my interests, shit that I watch and stuff, music I listen to is geared more towards 40s rather than 60 year old people. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't come up as much culturally speaking. It'll occasionally come up from a culture standpoint if I date someone who's a little more exotic from another country. You know what I mean? Uh, but in terms of a, a normal American woman, that doesn't come up as much because I generally like the same things they like. Well, like, are you like on Tinder? Like, like, wh- like, what do you do? Right yeah, what's now, your I'm in a relationship, so I'm not on a dating site. Oh, you know? Jeff, tell, no, tell us about no, the lady. Boy, yeah, but tell it's us a about her. Who's forty-seven? And uh, so much younger. Look at, so oh, you younger. just robbing cradles. And she looked 35. <laughs> that's the best part. But we went to lunch with one of her friends the other day. And so afterwards, we're driving home and she says to me, you know, my friend Nina was shocked. And I go, at what? She goes, she really likes you and said to me, oh, my God, he's so firm. And I'm like, what? And she goes, she said to me, I knew you were dating someone 63. That's the first time I had met her friend. And I just assumed that he kind of, you know, had the energy and looked like a normal 63-year-old. She goes, he's like one of us. You know, he's athletic and firm and funny and positive. And I go, yeah, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't look in the mirror and see a 63-year-old, you know. The biggest hurdle is not the age. The biggest hurdle is people say to me, you've never been married. Uh And so you're commitment phobic and you're this and you're that. And I go, let me explain my situation. And I'll tell you what I ran into a lot is I'd date a woman in her mid-30s or early 40s that wanted to have a child. And I'm not, and you know, I'm a wonderful father. I adore my son. I raised him as a single dad. Mm-hmm. And I love kids. I was a big brother before my son was born. But I don't think it's fair. It'd be selfish of me to have a kid that I was in my 80s. And my kid was in high school. Is that your grandfather over there in the wheelchair? And it's my dad. So that was part of the issue. But I think that if, if you're going to be introduced to someone, I've had a couple of times where one of my friends who's really hip or their wife will say, hey, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. And the first time I talk to her on the phone before we meet, and she goes, oh, I understand you're 61 or 62. And I'll go, yeah, well, that's a little out of my age range, but they said I need to meet you. And I go, listen, let's have lunch. Let's hang out. And then you make your own decision. And then we meet and they'll go, wow, I don't know if I can keep up with you. You got a lot of energy. I go, yeah, I do. You know, and I go, it's one of those things. So I, before I got into this relationship two years ago, uh, a lady who was cutting my hair at the time introduced me to a gal, Hmm. total blind date, you know? So I called the gal and she must not have told her how old I was. So we were talking on the phone and she goes, oh, can I ask how old you are? I go, yeah, this was two years ago. I go, 61. She goes, oh, I don't think you can keep up with me. I go, excuse me? 
She goes, well, I'm 45 and I'm very active. And I said, well, you know, if you want to make that judgment before we meet, that's up to you. And she goes, well, let me think about it. I was half tempted to go fuck off. Okay. But I go, so she calls me up and she goes, okay, well, we can at least go to lunch. I was already decided that this wasn't going much further, you know? So we went and had lunch and I could tell she was like, holy shit, this guy's freaking active. So we set up this date. We went hiking and I, on purpose, fucking ground her to a pulp. (laughs) I ground her to a fucking pulp. I mean, I left her fucking in the dust. I was literally hiking circles around her. Okay. And then the following week, she sends me this text message. Oh, I want to take you to go see this concert or whatever, you know, like, and I'm like, sorry, I don't think I can keep up with you. Oh, Oh, snap. I thought this was going to be the story of how you met your current partner. No, no, no. You know, to me, you don't judge. You know what I mean? And I just, I, maybe it was petty on my part. Maybe it was, you know, whatever, but I was like, I'll be honest with you. Even when I met her for lunch, I didn't like her attitude, but I wanted the chance to show her don't judge. Don't ever, you know what I mean? Without meeting someone go, you can't keep up with me. Yeah. You know, there's um, there's a book that I, I've referenced a, a gazillion times at this point on the show. I've had him on. Uh, this author, John Berger, wrote a book called Datanomics. And the the idea was that, oh, there are not enough college-educated women for college uh, – there are not enough college-educated men for all the college-educated women that want college-educated men in, like, certain cities, which were, like, a lot like New York and L.A. He's like, why are you single? She's like – and it was – and and so what he ends up advocating for are these mixed-collar relationships, he would say. These, you know, white-collar women, college-educated, who think that they want a man who is also college-educated and white-collar – but it's like, you know, the electrician makes six figures in New York City, 90 grand in New York City, right? Like you make a good or they think, oh, I want someone who enjoys opera. And John's like, I don't know. I've got two degrees. I went to Brown. I fucking hate the opera. Uh, my grandfather, who barely gra- I don't even think he graduated high school. The guy whose shirt I'm fucking wearing loved the opera. Yeah, loved it. I just found this out now that he died. I'm just finding this out. So it's like. If you open up your if you uncheck certain boxes, you will see more options, and then you might actually see that there are options that you didn't think you'd be interested in. Absolutely, um, I tell people this all the time. If I had a son who was eighteen right now, graduating from high school, unless he was some academic superstar, I would tell him to go into the trades—an electrician, a mason, a plumber. There's such a shortage yeah. of quality people. You can name your price. Yeah. And and the idea just being that like, you know, okay, you think you don't want to date a plumber, but like actually go on a date with a plumber. Like ask yourself, have I been on dates with plumbers? Because like maybe this plumber can be dope. Uh, Similarly with age, if we're unchecking, if we're changing the age ranges, so to speak, uh, you know, you might be surprised by meeting Jeff Abraham and being like, oh, fuck, I – I was only, I wasn't going to meet this guy because he's 63, but holy shit, you know, he's got all this energy. What Coke does he do? Because like he is ready for fun. Uh, it's, <laughs> I mean, I tell people cause people sometimes freaked out because diabetes runs very heavily in my family. So I don't drink cause mm. I was pre-diabetic. So we'll go on a first date and a woman orders a glass of wine and a waitress goes, man, I'm fine. Just give me some sparkling water. And then, oh no, I'll cancel my, I go, what? No. And then lean over. They're like, how long have you been sober? 
I go, 63 years. What? I go, I didn't stop drinking. I don't have any problem with alcohol. I did it for health reasons, you know? Oh, or else you'll get the, oh, is it a religious thing? I go, no, I'm agnostic, okay? I don't drink because it's a choice on my part because mm. I don't want to. And so many people have it in their mind that if you don't drink, you're some kind of a circus freak. That, you know, you're... You're a circus freak or you're sober because you couldn't handle it. Like, those are the two reasons to not drink. Exactly. No, I... First 30 years of my life, I'm from Pittsburgh. I love beer and shots of bourbon and Boilermakers, and I'm, I'm compound with anybody. You know what I mean? But when it came down to I either had to go on insulin because I was pre-diabetic and have all these things or control with diet and health, I want to have grandchildren one day and hopefully live long, productive life. Alcohol wasn't that important to me. I can always smoke a joint and relax, you know? So uh, just it was a non-issue. Mm-hmm. And so how did you end up meeting your, your present girlfriend? Uh, it was crazy. One of my neighbors, uh, their wives, it's very dry here in Nevada. I mean, it is the desert. It's a desert. <laughs> so I was having like a lot of like dry skin and skin conditions. And so one of my neighbors says, Hey, you need to go get a facial. You know, there's this spa I'll send you to, you know, whatever. So I went to the spa and you go in, you lay down on your back. Cause obviously they're going to work on your face and everything, you know? And so this lady walks in, I'm like laying there and I kind of look up and I'm like, Oh, she's cute. Then I kind of, she was leaning over. I go, wow, she's built kind of nice. You know, I'm like, can't help it. You know, check out, you know what I mean? Like, you know, just see what the surrounding. I'm like, Oh my God. So after we got done and she's like, you know, like did everything. She goes, okay, I'm going to give you a sample of this, a sample of that. And this is what you do. You put this on after shower more, you know, whatever. I said, you know, I haven't had dinner yet. I'm kind of lightheaded. You know what I mean? I said, I think after I eat, I'll be, because it was at the end of the day. It was on a Saturday and my appointment was like five to six and the spa closed at like six. Mm. And I said, I think I'll be much better to comprehend this on a full stomach. I go, let's go have dinner and you can explain this regimen to me. It's like, excuse me? I said, I, I, after I have something to eat, I said, I think I'll be able to focus a little bit better and, you know, I'll be able to comprehend this. She goes, how do you know if I'm married or in a relationship? I go, I don't, but I'm sure if you are, you'll say no. The fact that you just said, how do you know I'm not means you're not. Because if you were, you'd say, I can't. And she's like, oh, my Lord, what are you, a salesman? I said, well, I used to be, but now I'm a CEO, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she goes, let me think about it. I said, well, you don't have much time. I'm done. I got to leave. <laughs> she goes, well, where do you want to go to dinner? I go, listen, I'm not a stalker. I'm not going to put you in my car. We live really close to downtown Summerlin. There's a beautiful Wolfgang Puck's restaurant there. I said, I'll drive there. Join me. So she said, okay. So that was it. And how are you enjoying the uh, slightly more stable relationship uh, situation as opposed to the maybe what seemed like a lot of shorter and wilder and more sexual relationships you, you seem to have been having over the decades? It's been great. I'll be honest with you. It's uh, if I may ask, mon- uh, monogamous or oh, totally monogamous. Yeah. Totally, not, not even occasional threesomes, just straight no, up totally monogamous. Wow, someone really. I mean, I don't want to feed into the narrative of of like taming the wild man, but uh, look well, at you. She's very youthful, very energetic. Uh, How old is she? Uh, Forty-seven. Forty-seven, right? Thirty-five, and her body is outrageous. I mean, it's 
Absolutely. My friends are like, dude, she can't be in her 40s. I go, I promise you she's in her 40s. And uh, also, by the way, everyone like I've seen 40s and 50 somethings who have like killer bodies who do look fi- like I've seen 50 year old women. I'm, I'm more talking to them than you for the moment. But I've <laughs> seen 50 year old women who look 50 and have incredibly attractive bodies and were really fucking hot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just throwing that out there to any of the, the older women listening right now being like, what are you talking about? Looks 35. Can't she look, can't she be 47 and hot and look 47? <laughs> no, that's, that's a good point. Cause there are a lot that, you know, take good care of themselves, but uh, you know, she's very sexual, has a high libido, mm-hmm. you know, and uh I mean, it's, we seem to be very well matched. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. just a great gal communicates really well. We get along really well. It's got a good sense of humor, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, we'll see what the future holds, but I'm, I'm extremely happy right now. I'm healthy. I'm happy. You know, business is thriving. You know, I think a lot of times that I look back on my life that there may have been some relationships that I let outside things influence it. You know what I mean? Like, okay. If I wasn't feeling well, it was like, well, I don't want to be hassled with someone right now. You know, sometimes if, you know, like there's outside things going on with the family or even business, you're like, I just don't want the bullshit of a relationship right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think I might finally be growing up a little bit, my maturing. It's about time. You know what I mean? And you start going, you know, I have something really good here. And, uh, you know, I think there might have been times in my past where, I looked for reasons to kind of exit stage left. You know what I mean? It maybe even manufactured them, you know? And uh, maybe there's just something different about her and the chemistry that we have, or maybe it's a maturity thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is as happy as I've been in quite a while. And, uh, but there's a lot to do with it. The business, our business is thriving. Yeah. I mean, insanely thriving. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy health-wise. Uh, you know, my son looks to be getting, I think, engaged later this year, early next year, and starting a family. And, you know, I'm just in a really, really good place right now, and I'm enjoying it, you know. And uh, right now, I'm not looking to make any changes in er- any area of my life. That's fantastic, Jeff. I'm very happy to hear that. 63, finally figuring out what makes you happy. <laughs> Better late than never, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and you are the CEO of Promession, which is a, a sponsor here at the Man Whore Podcast. This is, not, this is also not a normal thing. I don't know if you know. I've, I've, I just want to let you know first, I've had a very fun hour so far chatting with you. I To the point I had to like secretly DM Brenna while you were uh, sharing one of your stories, be like, this dude's hilarious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, because like um, normally, you know, so I get a lot of people who like, oh, I have this product and I also want to come on. I'd be like, I'd rather you buy ad space, but like, the, one one of your employees pushed for you so hard, and then you know talked to Brenna, and uh, you've you've been very surprising. Uh, I even in the things that I like, I didn't like them in the way I thought I would. You're you're a very interesting human being, and you do uh, you do hog. Uh, you are the CEO of this product, Promission, which is like a delay spray uh, yeah. that I have used myself, and. It, not that, and I want you to tell us a, a bit about it in a little bit, but it's like not that early ejaculation or anything like that is not all early ejaculation is like this medical disorder, like quote unquote premature instant ejaculation and not all early ejaculation is bad. However, for the same reasons I was like comfortable promoting uh, something like Blue Chew, uh, yes. which has been a, pa- a past sponsors, I enjoy the promotion 
as like a backup, as a failsafe, as a peace of mind. Like I honestly have had, I've had the bottle that y'all sent me or one of them I've had in my backpack kind of always. Cause I'm like, I know it's in the bag if I feel like I need it. And I've used it a couple times and I know it works. So it's not that I need to use it every time, but I like every time knowing that I can if I need to. It's like an insurance policy. Here's what yes. I tell people. Here's exa- you don't need insurance until you need it. And then you go, shit, I wish I would have had it if you don't have it. Here's what I tell people. The average man during intercourse, penetration thrusting lasts five minutes and 42 seconds. The average female takes 18 minutes to achieve climax. So, of course, that's why men stop, start, think about baseball scores, go, I'm the master of cunnilingus. There's seven trillion vibrators in the world. It's to really narrow that gap. There's not a guy on planet Earth that hasn't at one time or another in his life went been acutely aware of his partner not being done and you feel that inevitability coming where you're getting close and you're like, oh my God, no. Oh, I hope she doesn't get on top. Oh my God, I hope she doesn't go reverse cowgirl. I can't hold it in that position. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sex should never be about anxiety. You should never be like, oh, it should be about reckless abandon. Wouldn't mm-hmm. it be better to have the thought in your mind I think I'll give her two orgasms instead of one today. You know what I mean? Before (laughs) I'm done. That's a much more positive thing. And a lot of women suffer in silence because there are people that just assume that they can't have vaginal orgasm through sex because a woman takes a lot longer than a man. And I use the product occasionally, not every time. If there's a time I'm in a new relationship, you tend to be the, the intimacy and the feeling of arousal is much heightened because it's brand new. I want to be enjoying every second of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it takes one less anxiety out of the equation. And, you know, we have people that send us testimonials that'll go, I didn't even think I needed your product, but I was there buying condoms and lubes or I was buying Vitaflux. We have something, it's a nitric oxide supplement for getting better erections. And then I go, well, let me try this. And they go, I just feel so much more comfortable now knowing I don't have to think about that. Am mm-hmm. I lasting long enough? Is she done yet? Is she done yet? You know what I mean? Oh my God, I got to wait till she's done kind of a thing. So like you said, it doesn't mean that you have clinical PE. It doesn't mean that you have this major issue. I mean, here's an analogy I use. If someone went up to Michael Jordan, who is you know arguably the best or second best basketball player who ever lived, and said, you're shooting free throws at 89.9%. Would you like to shoot him at 90%? You know what he's going to say? Absolutely. If someone goes to Tiger Woods, go, you average 17.4 putts per round. Would you like to average 17.3? Absolutely. By that same token, Johnny Sins is one of our ambassadors. Mm-hmm. The- Johnny Sins is a porn star, everybody. Yeah. 2019, 2020. It's secure men who are great lovers, who satisfy their partners, go, hey, I'd like to you know, have another little arrow in my quiver. When someone goes, that's disgusting. I never heard of that. They have the biggest problem because they're all bound up and they're all in, you know, like just uncomfortable and they have a phobia. Everyone needs to worry about pleasing their partner to the highest degree because you get credit for, for being sensitive. But at the same time, if you please your partner, they're going to make sure you're pleased. Okay. So The best way to be selfish is to be totally unselfish and totally please your partner. She's going to go, I like this guy. He's funny. He's great. He's successful. He gives me great sex. I want to make sure that 
you know, this relates. Let me blow him. I'll eat his ass. He's <laughs> such a great lover otherwise. Let me, yeah. <laughs> your, your, your likelihood of having your ass eaten uh, goes exponentially higher uh, if you can get her off. <laughs> Absolutely. Prime example, you'll laugh. So I had a semiconductor engineering business before I retired and took over this company mm-hmm. with one of my investments. And so about a year after I took over the company, I went to this wedding of one of my friends from that industry. And there were like five of us sitting at this table. We were all executives in that business. And so one guy goes, what's this new crazy company you're running? I go, well, it's called Promescent. And we 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 have a bunch of products now, but back then we only had delay spray. We have this product called Promescent. It's just male delay spray for lasting longer. And one of the guys there is like, well, I used one of those like stud 100 before lighting. I go, this is different. It's a patented formula that changes the crystalline structure of lidocaine so it absorbs. So it doesn't leave you completely numb. It doesn't transfer to your partner. Oh, my God. One of the guys at the table gets up. He goes, that's disgusting. I didn't even know that was an issue. And he like storms off. I'm like, whoa. So everyone was like, wow, that's kind of strange. Week and a half later, I'm very anal. I, the whole company, you know, I'm in charge of. And I look. And I see this order and I see where it's from. I go, wow, that's right in the heart of the semiconductor industry, Palo Alto. And I look and I'm like, oh, my God, it was the guy that freaked out. Try it. Do you know, from that day until now, that was six years ago, every six weeks, like clockwork, he's buying the product. I've never mentioned to him. I've never called him out on it. You know what I mean? Or whatever. But is that hilarious? That That is funny. (laughs) I guess his theory was the best you know, defense is a good offense. I'll sure. just say that's disgusting. I never heard of that. That way people won't think, hey, maybe I'm so-. But, you know, think about this. Does anyone ever look down at a diabetic for taking insulin? No. no. Does anyone ever look down on a cancer patient for taking chemotherapy? No. Why? I mean, I mean, and I know, I know I'm like, you know, I'm paid to plug during the ad reads, but let's, I don't know if we need to call permission and the level of chemo. (laughs) So yeah. But yeah, but, but no, I see what you mean. Like using, like there shouldn't be shame in using something that is going to improve your life and, you know, help you be more confident with what your body can accomplish. Show us that men last 542, the average man and the average woman takes 18. Yeah. Relax. People used to ask me before I ran this company, what's the most fragile substance on earth? I'd go, I don't Mel know. Fine crystal from China, you know, a Fabergé egg. And I go, now I go, if someone goes, what's the most fragile substance on earth? I go, the male ego. Okay. Yep, yep. Absolutely. The male ego. I would not want to be a woman. You know what I mean? Oh, your dick is bigger than anyone in the world. It's wider than anyone in the world. Oh my God. And I think part of that comes, I think the the idea that a lot of teens now and a lot of even preteens, they watch porn before they ever have sex is absolutely the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. I know I would have been so neurotic if I would have watched porn before I ever had sex because I would have thought the average cock is 10 inches long. The average girth is out of a beer can. You pump away for a half hour, then you pull out, run across the room and shoot her in the eye from 30 feet away. It's a direct <laughs> hit, you know what I mean? And if I couldn't do that, I'd go, oh my God, I'm deficient, you know? I so, mean, that that's a whole rabbit hole, but I would, I would throw out there that if you watch like alternative porn or like queer porn even if it's like even if it's like a man with a woman but it's like by like a queer studio like crash pad series or something like you actually do start to see like more quote like average looking dick sizes you'll see sex happen in a more natural way you see more foreplay you see starting sex stopping sex to 
you know, do fingering or eating out and then going back to, you start seeing something more realistic. But yeah, if you see that gonzo, that mainstream porn, and that's oh, yeah. your, your education for sex, absent any other sex ed, then yeah, man, like you're, you're fucked. Um, and, and I do think that, um, you know, like I said, the delay spray was, uh, was definitely an interesting experience and it really let me, like, it's, I haven't used it in months. It's been in my bag anytime I go to like if I'm going on a date and I happen to like have a backpack with me with like a couple sex toys or change of clothes or something, it's always in my bag. And I no, know it's always in my bag. And I always am like, if I feel like this is too much and I would like to use that, I can do that. I, can um, do I will say, uh, you know, unless you actually suffer from like clinical PE, don't use too much. Oh. Because I did that the first time and oh, I like it's a very scary feeling as a dick owner when like the first time you don't you don't feel the dick completely there. I'm like, it almost felt like a ghost cock. And I was like, I'm lasting and we're pumping. But like, I am nervous. I have. <laughs> and, and then and then one of your employees was like, yeah, dude, you only need maybe like two sprays if you don't one. have like an issue. One. one. Yeah. <laughs> First time I have I, bad aim. I'm like, I always get nervous. I'm like, oh, let's do one just to cover, make yeah. sure. <laughs> but I, yeah. like fence, you know, rolling I think I, I, I did like five sprays that first oh time. My God. <laughs> I, first time I, did, I did three and the inventor of the product the next day calls me. What do you think? I said, dude, my girlfriend was tapping out. It was like an MMA fight. He was like, I said, I put all this work and I'm finishing. Okay, hang on. You know what I mean? Like, I literally, the ghost cock thing, I swear to God, it's exactly how I felt. Like, yeah. I'm like, would you cooperate? Okay. I'm like, I'm trying to pleasure, not punish my partner. You know what I mean? It was yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so, so do follow the recommended instructions, people. But, uh, Jeff, do you have, uh, maybe another like 10 ish minutes? I, I'm very curious. I would like to do a little bonus episode if you're open to it, um, for my Patreon. And I would like to maybe go briefly the decade by decade what the vibes were then if you could like sexually describe the decades yes. because i'm always fascinated with like history where we've been what repeats we're good patreon people you're going to hear that tomorrow but for now jeff where can people find you where can they find promescent uh at the beginning or end of this episode they will have heard a promo code they can use or a, a direct url link uh but in generally where can they find y'all i we always recommend people to go to the web start as a website you know we're on uh, Amazon. We're on uh, walmart.com. We have independent pharmacies. We're in uh, Target. Our website is robust. But I always recommend start at promescent.com. P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T. Promescent.com. Because there's a lot of information. And we have a whole line of products, like seven different products. Mm. But the important thing is to go there and get educated. This is how you use it. So no matter where you get it, you want to know how to properly use it. And I always recommend the first time, get it at the site. You'll get some brochures that explain it. You'll get a QR code that you then hit. It takes you right to an instructional video by a urologist showing you how to use it. Uh, so promescent.com is the best place to start. If you're comfortable at Amazon, Walmart.com, Target, wherever, then you'll eventually you know, migrate. We don't care where you get it as long as you're comfortable and you find value in it and you get it. So I always suggest go to promescent.com because there's articles on foreplay. There's articles on masturbation. There's articles on anal sex, vaginal sex. We've become a portal for information. We really have. And mm. that's important because we just don't want to be slinging product. You know, just, you know, you come, there's 47 buy recommendations. Everything puts you in this funnel to buy product. We believe the more educated people become, 
the higher likelihood they're going to use our product. Our product is made under pharmaceutical grade conditions. We have a medical board of advisors that include the president of the International Society of Sexual Medicine, that kind of stuff. And they write articles and blogs and there's information. So we believe that the more you know, the better it is for you and the better it is for us. So we always suggest starting at promescent.com. Fantastic. And I'll have a link for all that in the show notes. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for uh, chatting with us. You are um, you're, you're a character. You are definitely, you are one interesting individual. But as a fellow uh, unique, interesting individual, I salute you. Uh, Patreon folks, check it out tomorrow. But uh, for now, Jeff, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. I appreciate this. This is our lifeblood. We really enjoy connecting with viewers and hosts that aren't traditional, just throw a roll on there and you know, they have 75 different sponsors during the same podcast. You've used the product. You know it's viable. And uh, I had listened to your podcast before, and I said to them, get me on there. I want to go on there. It fits my style. You know, if someone goes, before we do this, don't say anything controversial, and don't do this, and don't swear, and don't do this. And, you know, I'm like, I'm not a clinical guy. You know what I mean? I'm real. Definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you are also, like me, semi-obsessed with Jeff Abraham, then you need to listen to our bonus episode that is coming out exclusively on Patreon. And wow, it's just this is one of my favorite bonus episodes we've done in a while because uh, we really just went through each of the decades from the 70s to now and kind of just got like a vibe. We He really like describes like what was the taste, what was the jam, what was the sexual attitude of those eras. And he did a really great job of doing it. So you can gain access to that bonus episode as well as over 200 bonus episodes at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash podcast. I'd love to uh, know what you thought about this week's episode. Uh, you can join the conversation in the champagne room, which is our uh, sex positive discord server over at manwhorepod.com slash discord. Or you can shoot me an email with your comments, your questions, your criticisms at manwhorepod at gmail.com. If you need any of my socials, you need my links, if you need to hashtag any of the links, they are all in the show notes of this episode as well as every episode. Are you feeling raunchy? Are you feeling randy? Uh, do you think I'm kind of pretty? You may want to go check out my free OnlyFans. Uh, come say hi for free. Come flirt for a little extra at OnlyFans.com slash call me Billy. Oh, and one last thing. I forgot to say this in the intro. Folks, I was on uh, the latest episode of Shameless Sex. Almost all of you know and love the Shameless Sex podcast with my dear friends, uh, Amy and April. Uh, So go check that out. We talk a lot about the OnlyFans and we talk about some pandemic sexuals. It's a good time. Uh, They tell me it was hilarious. (laughs) Go check that out. And um, you know what? Am I just plugging? Are we just doing all plugs right now? Okay, everybody. I don't know really what else to say to you right now. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna very um, unconfidently close out the show by telling you to get vaccinated and stay slutty. But only one of those two things will keep you alive from COVID nineteen. The other one's really just like a fun extra thing to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
HotMovies.com has long been an ethical and affordable place to hashtag pay for some of your porn. Now with Hot Movies Select, customers gain access to unlimited viewings of tens of thousands of additional films from all their favorite studios for the low, low price of $24.95. Visit HotMovies.com, click Select Unlimited, and use promo code MANHOR at checkout so they know who sent you. 